Hello and welcome to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. I'm Adrian Finnegan. A new turn in Ethiopia's year-long Tigray conflict is threatening to tear the country apart. Rebels from the northern region say that they've teamed up with a small faction within the ethnic group, the Oromo, and are threatening to advance towards the capital, Addis Ababa. But in all of this, the UN has found evidence that all sides in Ethiopia's Tigray conflict have violated international human rights. There are some indications that those actions may amount to war crimes and crimes against humanity. The UN's human rights chief said the year-long conflict has been marked by extreme brutality. All right, let's bring in our guests for today's discussion from Addis Ababa. We're joined by Samuel Getachew. He's an independent journalist. In Nairobi is William Davison, senior Ethiopia analyst at uh, International Crisis Group. And from Amsterdam, we're joined by Gebre Kirstos, Gebre Selassie, uh, who manages a website that documents the war on Tigray and tells the Tigrayan story. Welcome to you all. William, let's start with you. Just how dangerous is the current situation for Ethiopia? Does it pose a threat to its existence, sovereignty and unity, as the Justice Minister has said? Well, certainly um, we're seeing a you know, serious threat to the federal government um, and its authority here. Um, and that is primarily because of the continued advances by the Tigray forces since July, primarily through eastern Amhara region. Um, as you've heard, um, recently they've taken control of Kambolcha and Desi cities. Um, this reflects just the latest in a series of battlefield victories, which have obviously weakened the federal military considerably after the federal military was pushed out of Tigray in June. This now puts the Tigray forces in a position potentially to head east to try and control the Djibouti corridor, Ethiopia's main trade route. They could then exert significant economic pressure on um, Addis Ababa and the leadership there, as well as potentially rerouting aid supplies directly to Tigray. They could also try and push southwards towards Addis Ababa itself. And there they have already established some sort of um, operational connection with the Oromo Liberation Army, the other armed movement, which is determined really to force uh, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed and his government from power. Um, in response, we've seen a doubling down of positions um, from Prime Minister Abiy, um, from the Amhara government as well, all out mobilization, all citizens being called to arms to try and prevent this advance of the Tigray forces. But that is not a new tactic. We have seen this type of mobilization over the last few months, and it has not been successful. There is no reason that that or this very sweeping state of emergency that's been put in place, which may well result in the mass arrest of Tigrayan citizens who are increasingly seen as collaborators with the Tigray forces. But there is no reason to think that that will actually turn the tide on the battlefield. Um, so really, it is an incredibly perilous situation for the federal government. And I think unless the federal leadership is able and willing to make some necessary con concessions here to the Tigrayan demands, particularly on the issue of the blockade, which is preventing humanitarian relief for Tigray, then we are likely to see a continued advance um, and all the potential destabilization um, for the government and the country at large that comes with that. Gebre Kirstos, um, would... Tigrayan forces really march on the capital? Do they have the military strength and the support to take Addis? What are their aims, ultimately? Mm, well, 
Um, they have stated their aims very clearly, I believe. Um, the, the main aim is to break the, the blockade. And uh, they have been adjusting their demands from uh, uh, the time they took uh, uh, Magala, and the government has refused. And if they said, we, we are not gonna just perish in blockade, we're gonna try whatever it takes to break the blockade. And I think now, I believe they have uh, the, the ability to march on ideas, especially uh, after the uh, physical linking up with the uh, Oromo Liberation Army. And we have to remember that, you know, uh, the, the military is uh, really uh, broken down. I, I mean, um, they have brought the first, the, 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 the strongest uh, divisions to, to, to Grai and they were decimated there. And now in Desi and Kombolcha, they have uh, really, they thought that was the final offensive and they brought every force that they could, they could master to, to these regions and they have been decimated there. So really, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think there is much uh, 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 military uh, resistance. Of course, like the government is doing now, they can feel, you know, the civilians, they are asking them to really die in thousands and stop the advance. But in terms of really conventional military engagement, I don't think the Ethiopian government has any options anymore. Samuel, what are we to make of the call of call to arms uh, by the government to the people of the capital? Uh, is it just scaremongering? What does the six-month state of emergency mean for people? How will their lives change under it? Well, Ethiopians, to begin, are um, used to this endless state of emergency that has been implemented even before this prime minister came to power. So we know how to live and exist uh, with endless uh, states of emergency. But what makes this different is the fact that the country is really, really hurting. I, I was in Afar recently uh, in Abala uh, and Samara, and I was also in Amhara regions. Um, and I was in Tigray previously before, you know, uh, we were allowed to go and report from there. Um, what we're hearing, um, what Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch weren't really expressing was the fact that these crimes were happening by all actors, we've seen it. It's like a uniform like allegations we've been hearing. Um, and Amhara, what, uh, you know, you can meet a young woman and she can say, you know, she was um, abused or sexually violated. And you would, you, her voice will be echoed when you go to Afar or Tigray. That's what's scary about what's happening in Ethiopia. It's not just the foreign investors that are fleeing from Ethiopia, which were important to the nation at one point, or the U.S. embassy saying all its citizens should leave Ethiopia because of the ongoing conflicts in the country. Everything that's happening in Ethiopia adds up. And what's really, really overwhelming is where this country is heading at the moment. William, we're going to have to assume here that people watching and, and listening to the podcast won't know the intricacies of Ethiopian uh, politics. What's it going to take to defuse the situation? What are the TPLF's demands? And are they unreasonable? Why is the government not willing to implement their demands? Well, yeah, clearly the demands are unreasonable from the federal government's perspective. But what um, are they? So what are they, William? About, we have we have the blockade issue, 
um, which the, you know, the Tigray uh, leadership, they want unhindered aid access, the restoration of services to Tigray, uh, banking, telecommunications and electricity. And then because of the way the war was conducted, because of the intervention that considered illegal by Tigray's leadership, they also want to remove future security threats to Tigray. Now, really, that means kind of decimating the Ethiopian military, which has been part of this offensive. There is also a very thorny territorial issue. Um, as the federal government withdrew after these defeats in June, that left Amhara region in control of western and southern Tigray. Um, they claim that is historic Amhara land, but it's been administered by Tigray during the federation, federal period since 1995. Now, they have been pushed out of southern Tigray, but they remain in control of western Tigray. And the Tigray leadership is absolutely set on reclaiming that land from Amhara. There are also issues over the ability of, um, of Tigray to securely run a referendum potentially on, on a, you know, maybe on independence as a, as a nation state, which is a longer issue. So these are the types of demands. Um, but I think because of the ongoing conflict, because the federal government has classified the Tigray leadership as a terrorist organization, therefore they consider the, 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 the region to be run by terrorists, they're not willing to deliver aid without the, all these restrictions. They believe that it may be diverted. Um, perhaps they're just trying to subjugate and weaken the region. They've also not been willing to provide these services, um, again, because they consider the regional government illegal. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, the Tigray um, moves against the federal military to continue to try and weaken it is hardly something that the, the, the powers that be in Addis Ababa are going to go along with. So these are the basic types of disagreements that exist now that are driving the conflict. And I think it's on the humanitarian aspect, if the federal government can finally prioritize that, um, which would also be seen as a concession to the Tigray forces, then perhaps we could break this sort of deadlock or at least the, the sort of escalatory dynamics we have now with the Tigray forces continuing to push forward and increase the pressure on the federal government. But as I said in my first answer, so far there is no sign of that. We just have the federal government and, and, and its allies doubling down in terms of the all-out mobilization. And that is only likely really to incentivize the Tigray commanders to push forward um, even faster than they planned. Governor Kirstos, we, we talked about how dangerous this situation is uh, for Ethiopia. Is it already too late for negotiations? Is there anyone with the authority uh, and, and respect to bring the two sides together? Or does there need to be some sort of military victory um, for, for one uh, side or, or the other before they can be talking? Well, I think it's already too late. And that is because, um, first, uh, we have to really uh, understand what happened in Tigray. It is a genocide that has been planned for a long time. So really, uh, I feel insulted when people compare it to what happens in Afar or in, in, uh, you know, in Amhara. This is not the same case. This is a genocide, and the blockade is part of the genocide. In fact, yes, they have told everyone that their plan is to wipe uh, the people of Tigray out. They have told the European uh, envoy to the Horn of Africa, and this blockade is part of that. They are actually now saying, if, you, if, if we only prolong the war, then they will just perish in this blockade. So we have to understand that context. So the war, taking the war to Addis, is now important because those uh, that have uh, uh, planned and executed this genocide must be brought to justice. So there's no negotiation now. First, it's too late. We paid too much. Second, negotiation means 
there is no way that these people will be brought to justice. So these are very important things. And let's add to that, that the international community has failed to deliver its responsibility. It can't even force uh, a humanitarian corridor for the Tigrayan people, which as we speak are dying you know, every day from starvation. So there's no option now, I think, than to uh, bring uh, the, the, the regime there. By the way, we have to remember that this regime is an illegal regime, it's an illegitimate regime, uh, with an illegitimate party, and with an illegitimate uh, uh, election. So it has no legal right to rule, and it has it is uh, a criminal clique that has to be that has to be brought to justice. So these are important things to consider, and I think now it's already too late. In fact, the Tigrayan general General Erkan has said now the war is over. There's no point in negotiation, which really basically uh, is I okay. think um, uh, what they are trying to do All to right, bring so, it to an end. Samuel, what, what's what's your view on that? Is is it too late? Uh, and, on, and on the accusations of, of of genocide, the prime minister says the UN report dispelled what he said were false accusations of genocide against his government, but, but the UN says the Ethiopian government tried to limit the investigation, which, was, which of course was carried out jointly with Ethiopia's Human Rights uh, Commission. Are, are the victims of, of what the UN says is extreme brutality for all sides uh, likely ever to see justice? If you allow me to reply to your guest, if uh, the election in Ethiopia is legitimate, as he claims, uh, it wasn't perfect per se. Um, I think the election in Tigray had the same kind of standard where no opposition was elected, uh, was won by 98 plus percent of the population it was claimed. The Ethiopian was 94%. So the two elections can always be debated. But if you're criticizing one, uh, you have to criticize both. But going back to uh, perhaps uh, a negotiation settlement, it's never too late. Uh, I mean, people are obviously dying. Uh, we talk about genocide in Tigray. The Amharas are talking about genocide that may have happened to them in, in their own regions. The Afaris are saying the same thing. There has to be some kind of understanding that too many people are dying in Ethiopia, uh, whether you call it genocide or not genocide. The people on the ground just don't, I mean, their, their focus is to survive. People are still being killed, where the difference between one to the other is in terms of numbers. Uh, but again, um, I, I like, I've always enjoyed traveling outside of Addis Ababa. I've seen, I was able to speak to lots of victims, um, and they, they echo the same kind of allegations. And this kind of report is a down payment of the kind of report we need. Um, I don't know if Ethiopia or the UN or donors will all, will find enough resources to investigate, but all kinds of allegations, whether you call it a genocide, it comes from all sides. William, is it too late for negotiations? And what do you make of, of the UN's findings? Well, I think in terms of um, negotiations, the, the issue is, as, as, as I see it, it's, it's as described, really. I mean, you, you know, there's a good articulation of the, of the Tigran position from Gilbert Kostos. So, you know, unless there are those types of really significant concessions um, from the federal government, um, you know, which, which might serve to pause the Tigrayan advance, the concessions in terms of the, particularly the humanitarian situation, the restoration of services, maybe the beginnings of a political amnesty for Tigrayan and, and Oromo leaders. Unless we get that, then I think the Tigray forces are going to push forward. And indeed, some of their commanders 
and leaders have said that there is no negotiating to be done with Prime Minister Abiy now. So it's certainly very late in the day, um, and I don't think that um, I don't think without those concessions we're going to move to negotiations. But it's certainly the right thing to call for um, because there's all sorts of reasons to be concerned uh, about what could result from a you know a, a Tigray push combined with the Oromo Liberation Army to to Addis Ababa. We should look at the state of Amhara region. I mean, it, Amhara region would basically be in total rebellion to any new interim government that was formed okay. of the Tigray leadership and the Oromo Liberation Army. Um, with regards to genocide, I mean, we've, we've all read um, the report now. Um, we've seen the media reports. We know that uh, you know, se severe abuses have been com committed by the Eritrean forces, by federal forces, by the Amhara. The report talks about uh, 600,000 Tigrayans leaving Western Tigray. It also talks about um, abuses by Tigrayan militia as well. Um, I think you know, clearly there's been very severe restrictions placed upon the region in terms of those services, trade and aid. That seems to be a deliberate policy by the federal government. Um, uh, but I, I and my organization are not in a position to call genocide. That is up to the human rights investigators and up to the international okay. lawyers. Uh, Gabriel Kirstos, what's it going to take to end the suffering uh, of people in Ethiopia? I'd like to say a little bit uh, uh, on the uh, uh, report that that's, uh, they call it the Joint Investigation uh, uh, by the Ethiopian Human Rights Commission and the um, uh, UN uh, uh, Human Rights Commission. I think uh, from a Tigrayan perspective, I find this an insult. And this is because you don't allow the very perpetrator of the crimes to be part of the investigation. Nowhere in the world should you do something like this. This is what they have done. Uh, so it's really wrong on methodology, and it, it fails the but bare minimum standards get, get of get As I understand it, the only way that the UN could get in there to investigate uh, was to have it as a, as a joint investigation. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been allowed to, to, to go in. Well, I mean, that's, I think, le, le, that's a valid point. But uh, just to, to, for that point, you don't make a uh, report okay. that basically really whitewashes the crimes of the, the, the regime and also really, really uh, hurts their victims uh, again. Yeah. That we feel as Tigrans really uh, being hurt again by this investigation. Okay. So I, I, and it, it hasn't even included really the main uh, massacre scenes. All right. And, I, and this is really very sad. I'm sorry to, but, uh, to, to cut you short. I'm sorry to cut you short. We're, we're almost out of time. And I just want to, I want to get Samuel's uh, uh, reply to, to what you just heard there. You know, uh, going back to compromise, uh, Ethiopia has, has been highlighted by the spokesperson of the foreign, uh, the, state, the State Department in Washington, D.C. It's an important nation. It needs world leadership to end what's been happening in this country. Cancelling a trade agreement with the U.S. is going to wipe out hundreds of thousands of jobs. Um, people are dying. There has to be an international leadership to end what's happening in Ethiopia. Too many people are just being killed and everybody is cheerleading from one side and just f focusing on this ethnic warfare we've been seeing in Ethiopia for many, many years. We are out of time. Many thanks indeed for being with us, gentlemen. Samuel Getachu, William Davison and uh, Gebri Kirstos, Gebri Selassie. And that's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Damien Lay, Maha Barada, and Abdurrahman Wasami. Studio sound was by Suraj Shankar. The program was edited by Georgios Florokapis, Lennon Guyan, 
and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday.